Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Field Trip Podcast, and I'm not going to waste any time. Let's just talk to our guest. Uh, today joining me is Corey Ryan Forrester. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm solid. It's weird that we kind of, with uh, the age of COVID and internet relationships, that we've we've met each other a couple times. Yeah. But most of our interactions have been this, on, on the internet, face to yeah. like, quote face to face on a computer you are correct sir yeah we've we've i feel like we've become better friends during the covid uh, but it's due to this is how everybody hangs out now like now it's not <laughs> weird like used to if if i was like hanging out at my house and i looked down at my phone and somebody one of my buddies was trying to facetime me i would be like what are you serious? What mm-hmm. is this? What, what are you gay? Like I'd be such an idiot about like, like what is this? But now it's like, yeah, that's the only, uh, it's the only way we're going to all be able to hang out. So, uh, it's normal now. It's totally fine. Yeah. It's weird. When I, I, I always knew this, but now I'm realizing I got like three friends, which is yeah. fine with <laughs> yeah. me. I'm good. Yeah. Like, yeah. um, but let's plug your show that you have coming up on Friday. Yeah, Friday, this Friday, August 7th at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at, with my tour mates, Drew Morgan and Trey Crowder, you know, as Trey Crowder, the liberal redneck. We're doing a stand-up comedy show, Quarantine Comedy. And, uh, I mean, it's going to be as normal of a stand-up show as something in this time can be where you're not actually having to leave your couch. So you can go to wellreadcomedy.com, W-E-L-L-R-E-D, comedy.com and get those tickets or you can just go to rushticks.com and we're gonna do about an hour and a half and then afterwards we're doing like a Q&A and like a hangout where we're gonna uh, ostensibly I guess sit there over the internet and drink beer with everybody it's a yeah I mean essentially uh you guys are uh, the audience is a part of a live podcast and you get a stand-up show on top of that yeah pretty much it's a pretty good deal have you done many of these uh digital shows I've done two um and I was the first one literally blew me away. Like by the second one, I kind of knew what to expect, but I've been blown away both times by like how, how actual much fun I had. The first one, I was just like, man, there is literally no way that this is going to be good. Like for anybody, there's no way this is going to be good. Like I, in my mind, it was just like, dude, it's like you're doing a, a college gig and there's nobody in the audience. Like, or there's yeah. like five kids and they're doing it for extra credit or something. But like, it just was not my experience at all. Like after I got done, I was like, oh my God, I think I got a brand new 20. That was really good. And everybody was very responsive. And then by the second one I did it, I kind of knew what I was doing. Cause it is, a, it's, it's like, a, I mean, when you do bars and then you start doing comedy clubs, there's a little bit of a adjustment. And then when you start doing theaters from comedy clubs, there's a little bit of adjustment. And this is one of those, but the only difference is like nobody, there was no, uh, there was no tutorial or, mm-hmm. Uh, a rule book on like how to do it. Nobody, we were just, we've just all been figuring this out at the same time. And I think that the audience and the comedian both kind of have this like a shared uh, knowledge of that. And so we've had a really good time doing them. Uh, I know from the feedback I get from audience members, they're like, I mean, yeah, I'm just watching stand up. It's great. So it's been cool. I'm glad that we're able to do it. Uh, it was something that at the beginning, I definitely was like, but this is also at the beginning when I think, us even smart people which i'm currently considering myself i guess even smart people were like oh well this will be over soon like the first time you heard about the the coronavirus like okay right but like we're america we'll figure it out and then you forget like oh this will be four weeks it'll be a great vacation (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I was like, look, yeah, it sucks that I can't do stand up for four weeks, but like, I'll just take four weeks off. God knows I've needed it for a while. And then I'll go back to doing regular shows. I'm not going to do this, but like, mm-hmm. buddy, if this is all we can do, by God, we're doing it. Yeah. Cause at, at this point, you know, uh, and recording at the beginning of August, I'm like, I don't know if we're going to have, I mean, there are live shows currently happening this week, but yeah. I'm like, I don't know if people are going to, you know, be comfortable in by December to go to a live show. We'll see. Um, yeah. and the, the beauty of what the, the, the online digital show is, is like nobody wanders in on accident. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody's there on purpose and they want to be there. I have heard of these things and drew experienced it the other day and they're called zoom bombs where like, I guess some of these kids and I say kids and I don't want to sound like the, Oh, it's the kids doing this, but it's just, it's hard for me to believe that like an older person would have the time or the will to do this. Where like what they'll do is they'll go to zoom and they'll just type in however many numbers a normal zoom meeting is. They'll just type in a random that amount of numbers mm-hmm. and then just pop into somebody's meeting. And apparently somebody did that while drew was doing a stand-up show and they were dressed like a Komodo dragon or something like that. And they just started, they just started like dancing around, but then like they quickly realized that like a show was going on and they pissed off. So, but, <laughs> but yeah, funny. you're right. Like, like nobody's just going to be like, Hey, it's date night. Let's just randomly go down to the internet cafe. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, why did you guys turn the TVs off? <laughs> right. Uh, now we're forced right. to watch stand up. That's funny. Yeah. That's that, that the zoom uh, crash or whatever it was. It reminds me of like uh chat roulette. Yep. Where it's just kind of like, you never know what you're going to get. And, and you're thankful that it's a guy dressed as a dragon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, Cause it could be so much worse. Um, you just put out your uh, stand-up special. Uh, tell me about that. Yeah, man. Uh, it's called Corey Forster Live at the Bijou, and here's why. Uh, I recorded it live at the Bijou. It's a very creative title. I don't know if I don't know if you're the same as me, but like, uh, whenever we put out our first album, which was Well Read Live in Lexington, <laughs> mm-hmm. very very creative. That's like literally the hardest part of of the whole process of putting out an album and stuff is like the creating the material. I mean, don't get me wrong obviously doing stand-ups hard, but the creating the material, the doing it 60 times in a 60 or plus times in a row to get it good, the recording, the tedious process, all that I felt very comfortable doing. This is what I do. I'm a professional. The second they were like, okay, I need you to name it and name the tracks. I was like, Oh "Oh, man, (laughs) can I outsource, can I outsource this? Like with our book, I swear to God, it was so much easier to write the book than it was to come up with the title. I don't know why that is, but regardless, um, I had recorded this, uh, I'd recorded this 30 minute, this half hour special to like basically just to have and to shop around. I wasn't going to do anything with it because it was material that me and the guys were, we were working on and we were, Oh, I know what it was. We were pitching it to Netflix where we recorded the whole thing. We were pitching it to Netflix. And so, uh, then the pandemic happens and, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, you know, well, at least I know what I'm going to do when I go back on the road, I've already got the material and it's right here. And then I started like basically every two weeks that this thing kept going and every month where the the numbers were getting worse. And I realized like, dude, we're not going back. We're not going back to the road for a very not long time. time. Soon. Not anytime soon. And then on that material, I started thinking about it and I was like, man, even though you just started doing this material, and you just got it good and you were totally going to tour with it. By the time you go back on the road, this country is not going to look the same as it did when you were, when you were back out there. And like, you're going to be doing completely new material. And if, if for no other reason, then 
a lot of maybe people don't know this about me. I've pretty much me and the guys have been on the road together for four years. And me and my wife got together two weeks before all this exploded for us. Like we, we literally just started dating and, and I mean, you know, weren't even living together or nothing. And then Trey's uh, video blew up on the internet. We got a book deal and I've been on the road ever since. So our entire relationship has just been me getting on a plane and leaving. So this has been the first time that I've ever got to be what, like a, like an actual husband. So like, man, the shit I've been writing lately, like it looks so much different than any of that stuff. So I was sitting on that special and I was like, well, God dang it. I'm not going to have wasted this. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I edited it together. I made it, I put it in black and white. So it looks cool mm-hmm. and, artistic. Uh, and artistic and I sold it to great success. So you can, you can still get that. It's uh, you just go to my Twitter and check it out. It's uh, Corey Forster live at the Bijou and basically the system that I'm doing, which I'm glad that I did this because, I actually had a woman this morning email me from uh, Amsterdam. Uh, I'm doing a pay what you want, or if you can't afford anything, I'll give it to you because yeah. we're, we're in the middle of all this. And I know that uh, some people lit- like I had somebody ba- basically what that started with. I-, I put up, Hey, pay what you want. It doesn't matter to me. I just want everybody to be able to afford it. And then I had somebody send me a message and they were like, Hey man, um, is your special still going to be available for download next week? Because I don't get paid until next week. And I, and that just like, I don't mean to sound like a, like a preacher here, but that just, that just broke my heart. <laughs> and, and, and I, and when he said that, I was like, dude, here you go. And I was like, I, I made a post on Twitter. I was like, anybody that is having to wait to buy my special because you're about to get paid fucking here's the link, take it mm-hmm. because good Lord, man. In these times I eat, you gotta be worried about eggs and bread, bro. Like not my special. Like I know I'm an artist and I need to get paid, but like the work's already done. Take it. (laughs) But it has been very successful. And I thank everybody who has purchased it. Um, so at that point when you had recorded a pre pandemic, did was that material done or was it like for you good enough to show somebody? Uh, uh, it here, the deal is like, it's, you almost think, I don't think anything's ever really done anymore. It's That's, only done. I mean, yeah. <laughs> now that I put, now that I put it out, it's done. Yeah. Uh, but like when we, when we recorded our album, uh, that material was as done as done could be. I mean, I'd been touring on it for three years and a lot of it I'd written a long time before that Hell, my closer on that album. A lot of people don't know because I was able to, I wrote, so the closer on my album is about transgender rights uh, as the, in the military and their bathroom rights. Well, all that happened was the, I wrote that joke like nine years ago and it, it was about uh, gays in the military. Mm-hmm. It was about don't ask, don't tell. And then don't ask, don't tell got repealed. Thank God. And uh, I, I had a bunch of people that were like, man, that sucks for you. Cause that joke was so good. And I was like, well, the joke was about how I wanted it to be repealed. So, I mean, I can know I'm, I, yeah. I get what you, I, it, it is, that was another comedian. That's how the comedian brain works. It's like, oh man, man sucks. Got, you lost all that weight. Now you can't do yeah. the fat joke. Fat jo- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, dude, that's a hundred percent it. And I, and I told them what, I, what, and what ended up happening. I said, Oh, don't worry. Something else will happen. And yeah. what happened was this transgender bathroom thing happened. And I thought back of that old joke and it was stylistically and structure wise. All I had to do was take out every part where I said gays in the military and just mm-hmm. replace transgenders in the military. And it worked. So that bit had been being worked on for like nine years. And it went from like a, it went from like a, 
a one minute punchline to a three minute joke to a 15 minute story chunk. Mm -hmm. And so how could you, how could it be more done honestly? But still when we recorded it and I listened to the album for the last time, I thought of a tag. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you know what it's, I mean? I thought of a tag and I'm like, I've been working on this for a decade and I just thought of a tag. <laughs> well, and it's, it's one thing where you wrote it nine years ago and it was a different joke, but I also like to think of, you know, I, I'm a believer of save everything because yeah. maybe maybe this year I'm not as funny to make whatever topic good, but next year I might have some insight, some confidence, some uh -huh. skill that I didn't have. So that's the weird part is like nothing is ever done, but sometimes it has to be done for you. Right. And you're like, I'm, I I can't say these words anymore. Anymore. <laughs> yeah, because do, it does end up getting worse if you don't want to do it. Um, but to go back on that, like, yeah, you're right. Like there, there've been some, I've been fortunate enough that before this tour started, I had hours of material. Now it wasn't all good, mm -hmm. but what I found was I'm so much better now that there, there was stuff from the past where I was like, Oh, actually that is good. You just sucked at doing it then. Yeah. But if you, but you with your smart brain now, and sometimes I'll have like a completely different angle on it because like at 24, I believed X. <clears throat> And this blah blah blah, and now take that same joke, but now you're 32, and you can write a joke from the other angle where you're basically calling your old self stupid. But with some of the material on that album, like one the the longest bit that I have on there is like, I mean, it's realistically there's a bunch of different punchlines in between this bit, but it's all setting up the same thing. It's like 18 minutes long, mm -hmm. and it's about me and my wife going on our honeymoon, and uh, like I've only I'd only been doing that joke for about a year and a half. But it was one of those where it's like, yeah, but I can't like at a certain point, hopefully my because my, our audience is very um, we communicate a lot on Facebook and Twitter. And because of that stuff like that, your audience, like they they know when I got married because they were there on that journey with me. They saw yeah. the pictures and they saw when me and her celebrated our two year anniversary and they saw this. So, like, there's only so many times you can get away with doing the honeymoon joke before they're like, bro. Didn't you go yeah. on your honeymoon like five years ago? Yeah. Most so, people are on their first divorce by now. Come on. Let's yeah, get exactly. Some material. It, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. <laughs> like if I was treating that honeymoon joke by regular comic standards of like, Hey man, until you get it perfect, don't put it out. I may be going through a divorce, still working on the honeymoon joke. Yeah. So with that, it was like, I'm really excited to see this joke go because it's hard for me to tell this joke on stage anymore because I didn't just come from my honeymoon and it's not all fresh and I'm having to remember instead of react. Cause when I wrote that joke, it was very reactionary. Like I, it was one of those where, uh, I, you know, when you have a joke and you don't necessarily know, you know, kind of where it's going to end and you know, kind of where it's going to begin, uh, begin. But the middle part is like, well, we'll just keep talking until everybody stops laughing. And then you say the punchline and then it's over. And it was one of those where like, I, there's my first show back. I started talking and then, like, I remember 12 minutes later thinking, holy shit, you're still doing this honeymoon bit. And it's murdering because you mean it. You mean it really hard. Mm -hmm. And so, like, yeah, I'm glad that that one's done. I was uh, been being home because I, I was kind of in the same boat with every week I was gone. So yeah. me and my wife's relationship, it, it, it's good to know that we can be around each other for extended periods. Sure. But our thing was I, I come home, I empty the suitcase, do the laundry yep. here for two or three days, four days, go back out. But now I'm, I'm around, you know, so how's that been for you? Well, I, at first it was definitely, and go to go back to what we were saying before, because in my mind, it just felt like, okay, we'll have this under control. 
it was just, uh, I, I totally, uh, I treated it. I was like, you know what, dude, R- rest, lay on the couch, hang out with your wife. Um, you know, obviously don't go see any buddies or we're not supposed to be doing that right now, but mm-hmm. like hang out with your wife, hang out with your dog, uh, watch, watch the wire, do it, finally yeah. do it. And I did all those things because like, I don't ever, it's, it's so hard for me to, uh, give myself, um, time to do anything other than work. And it's not, and I don't mean like, Oh, I'm just so busy. Cause I'm so into ma- That's not it. Like, if, I'm not saying I have to be commissioned on something for me to feel like, dude, it doesn't matter if you have time to do this right now, then you definitely have time to go home and at least, at least look over the script that you wrote and see mm-hmm. if something jumps out at you. Like you don't have to write today, but you should at least read the script. But with, t- with TV in particular, you know, I've always been told by showrunners that have helped me on, on some of our pilots, like, hey, man, no, actually, you, don't, you shouldn't feel guilty for watching TV because you want to write TV. So it's like what Hemingway said about writing. If you don't have time to read, you don't have time to write. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to feel too guilty about that. But, like, I was just literally laying on the couch and relaxing and having some beers and not feeling like I needed to set my alarm and wake up the next day and write and, and I got over that real quick though. Again, once we figured out like, Oh no, this is forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but because of that, I, I actually, I, I said at the beginning, I was like, you know what, man, here's the deal. Regardless of what you want to happen. We, of course we would love for the world to start back over and everything to be fine. Regardless of that, it's not going to, and you can sit here and you can be like, man, this sucks. I'd be doing all these things or you can make, and I, I know I'm trying to, it sounds like I'm trying to sound like Tony Robbins right now, but I'm really not. I was like, but there are things that you can do. Like start writing that pilot that you had the idea for. And I did. And I've, mm-hmm. I've done that. Start learning guitar. And I have done that. Mm-hmm. Um, finish this, finish that. Start working on a comic book, start a new podcast, blah, 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 blah. And I've done all that. So now there's part of me that now that I'm saying it out loud, it's like, wow, the, the links you have to go to, to keep from going insane. Um, yeah. But with me and my wife, it was at first we were so happy to just be with each other. And then it started getting to where I felt I would look over at her and I could feel her thinking, when are you going to leave? I wish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think we're back to it's nice that you're home. And now I've just gotten so used to this that, I mean, comedy was always like I've always wanted to be a comedian, a writer and an actor. Mm-hmm. However, comedy has always been that was the spoon that stirred the drink a hundred percent. And it still very much is. And it, it, I mean, I've been doing that for 16 years. It'd be hard to be like, Oh, well, no, that's not it anymore. But I have, I think I found out a lot about myself. It's like, Hey man, being, you can be at home and not, and not be on stage. And it's totally fine. As long, as long as you're getting your creative outlet here, 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 here. Uh, I've kind of, maybe it's just cause I'm also getting older and, you know, starting to try to have a family and stuff. But like it, I've had like, of, of everybody's pandemic experience, I have, I, there's no way mine hasn't been the best. And I feel very guilty saying that. Like, I feel very, very bad for everyone who, I mean, just most people like this isn't, it's, and, I'm, and by the way, it's not a good thing for me. I'm still, I, I still hate the fact that we can't all just hang out and I can't go back yeah. to my normal life, but it, it's just like, well, that, you know, bad shit's happened, not to mention people have lost jobs or income or whatever. And then yeah. on top of that, people have died. Like, yes, yes, all that. But uh, for me, it's like, if this was going to happen to anybody, it should have just happened to people like me because I can <laughs> fucking handle it. It's like how I feel about uh, I, I'm bald. But before mm-hmm. I went bald, I always wore a trucker cap anyways. So when I started going bald, I was like, well, if God was going to make someone bald, he picked the right person because it's not <laughs> yeah. like. 
it's not like my hair was my identity. And uh, and and I'm really finding out how much of a fucking homebody I am. I hate that it's under these circumstances. And uh, if you know, <laughs> it sucks that even one person had to die for me to find bliss in my home. But I well, have. Yeah, and, but you're given you're given an opportunity to do something productive with it. And you you know, and I found out that with com comedy is there's more to comedy than just stand up. So, and to, you know, to use a wrestling term, you go away and learn a new hold. Yep. As far, go learn a different skill. So you're learning yep. guitar. I'm, you know, I've uh, done more podcasting and more videos and stuff like that. So you just like, it, you learn to be creative in other ways because it, when it comes back to it, it's all comedy and it's all to me practice for something when you do get an opportunity. Absolutely. And that's, and the thing about it is, it's just that I look, I can't be on stage. It doesn't matter. I, I don't, you know, I mean, this is a, another cliche, but this is life handing us a bunch of lemons mm -hmm. uh, and I'm going to do my best to make lemonade. Now I'm fortunate that I have the time to do that. I have had enough, I've, I have had enough writing work to like hold me over and keep me financially stable. And my wife is a teacher. So she's still been getting a check, but like, man, yeah, I couldn't be more fortunate. And I definitely think that I'm going to come out of this thing a better entertainer and comedian but for anybody out there listening that like is in the same situation i'm in in terms of like hey you're not going broke and you do have maybe some extra time to do something you're gonna feel a lot better if you do trust mm -hmm. me and then you, and i'll tell you what this is how i looked at it too once we all start back and the world starts back again all those things that you've always said you were gonna do if you didn't do them during this time you're literally never gonna do them <laughs> like yeah. you're never gonna learn guitar you're never gonna watch the wire it's not mm -hmm. happening buddy mm -hmm. so just know that I've had those things where I'm like, I've had a stack of books and then I'm just like, you know what? It's not going to happen. And I just put <laughs> the books in a permanent position, you know? And um, Hey, let me tell you something. I think that's a big move. Like give, like people don't really respect giving up enough in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, like the fact that you were just like, I'm not going to, you put that out of your mind forever and you freed up room in your heart for something else. And mm -hmm. I commend you for it, Brent. Hey, well, you know, sometimes that when they say quitting or giving up that it's like a people have a defeatist attitude about it but sometimes you know as well as I do we've all seen uh, just to use a comedy example some guy that's been around for 10 years and has not written uh five past five minutes yeah and has somehow gotten worse and you're like man no nobody's he making should, you do this <laughs> yeah he should quit <laughs> yeah and you, your talents might be, be better off somewhere else Man, that blows my mind when that happens because, like, I'll, I've known guys like that before who, like, they're still doing – I mean, I haven't seen them in a while because, like, they're still at the local club and I don't I don't be doing that because I'm on the road. Mm -hmm. But, like, they literally will have done it for 10 years. They'll go to open mic every week and they will do the same five minutes. Now, I'm not going to begrudge someone who is like, I always wanted to be a comedian and yeah, maybe I'm not good enough to make it on the road or I've mm -hmm. got a family, but I still like going down there every now and then. That's, I get that for but, sure. Yeah. But write a new goddamn set. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, it, it blows my mind that someone would literally want to go tell their same. And, and these dudes, by the way, they bring their families and their friends like every mm -hmm. show and they come see them do the same five minutes. I'm like, bro, if you really want to do it, at least come up with new stuff. God, like you point, came up with the you first, not... you came up with that first five minutes. Do that again. <laughs> yeah. How do you not accidentally say something funny? Yeah, right, right, or different, you know, or, yeah, di you know, or, or different, different. Or different. Yeah, my God, steal from somebody! You're not going on the road and making money. Just do yeah. Foxworthy's act. 
you might be a redhead. <laughs> uh, from time to time, when there's not a, a hard topic uh, for uh, new listeners, sometimes I like to just pull up uh, the Twitter account at UberFacts, and I've not screened these, so this is just kind of like a roulette of topics uh, that I like to throw in every once in a while. So let's look at uh, this Uber fact: drinking one sugary drink a day increases cancer risk by 20%, according to researchers in France. So there's a 312% chance I've got cancer right this second. <laughs> sipping on one right now. Uh, well, yeah, and that's like, I try to not drink that shit, but then I'm also like at home. I've had a year in my life where I drank no soda, but then I just replaced it with like lemonade. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. It's not better. For, yeah, it's just like different. in your mind, the carbonation was what was doing it. Yeah, that was what was. <laughs> yeah. You know what my problem was is that I think everybody in the south or rural areas or wherever, like we got we got bit by the demon soda when we mm -hmm. were kids, and then you just like I mean, God, dude, I remember when we were kids, like it wasn't nothing for like somebody's mama to have everybody over at the house and like she's got two or three different pitchers of kool-aid go because we're all you know it's hey it's a friend's hangout they got three different kinds of kool-aid and then like every kid drank like at least six mountain dews that day and yeah. none of the parents were ever thinking like you know do you think maybe we should give these kids water or something because like <laughs> nowadays it like everybody's smartened up to it but like i remember uh in like i grew up in the time where we the only reason that we ever got to be allowed to drink water during football practice mm -hmm. was that a kid in Texas died and our coaches <laughs> and and our coaches reluctantly gave up that water is for getting blood out of my jerseys boy like they very reluctantly gave up on that so like we just grew up drinking sugary drinks sugary drinks and it was no big deal and then I kept doing that and then one day I was like I, I read something which is like uh, the best thing you can do if you come from my area just read something anything yeah. just read something <laughs> so i read something and in it they were just like yeah sugary drinks you know that ain't it and i was like god dang doesn't appear to be it and so i stopped drinking sugary drinks and i lost like you know 40 pounds in a, three days or something yeah and then I, and i kept that up because i was like wow i feel a lot better i'm hydrated and I, I didn't drink sugary drinks for like years and years and years and then we started traveling a lot and it was I, kind of around it was easy. around and i also like i would make these concessions to myself of like okay i don't drink sugary drinks but i'll only have it when i'm on the plane because when they come around and they give you the coke for some reason the coke tastes so much better when you're up in the air and they only give you this much so i'm like that's mm -hmm. okay i'll only have coke when i'm in the plane and then our careers got really good. And I was on a plane like twice a day, <laughs> like all the time. And so now I'm just drinking Cokes again. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I've since, I've given them up during the pandemic, but that was my thing. It's like only when you're on planes, but I'm still drinking like a two liter. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and that, that's the thing is I, when I, when I don't drink it, I'm like, I like water. That's, I do too. Where, something, like when I, when I was a kid, I would drink it and be like, oh, what does that taste? And it turns out it was water. Yeah. Like a, <laughs> I know what you mean, man. Like there's like, sometimes I'm still blown away. Like I, especially when I'm hung over, but like I'll get, I'll get up in the morning and I'll like, I'll go, we've got one of those Brita filter gimmick situations yeah. and I'll go in there and I'll pour myself a glass of cool, cold filtered water. And I'll take like two to three sips and I'll just be like, God damn, yeah. this is, 
this is something else right here. Like, why would I ever, why would you ever drink anything else? And then I can like hear God in behind me going like, exactly. Why would you right? drink anything else? Yeah. I gave this like, there's, it makes no sense to me. Why do you keep putting shit in it? Mm -hmm. That, that uh, refrigerator moment, just like probably in your underwear, drinking water. That's a very dad Hank Hill moment. But like yeah. when you dial. When you see your dad do it, you're like, God, that's such a dad. And then you become your dad and you're like, man, he wasn't wrong. <laughs> now, I've had so many moments this year, realistically, where it's not just that I thought, man, my dad was right. Cause, eh. but like just dads yeah. and just dads in general, were like me and my buddy were talking the other day and like, uh, there was, there's been like four or five days in a row where I literally didn't talk to another human being that wasn't either my wife or didn't call me needing something. Like I didn't make mm -hmm. any attempts to interact with the outside world. And what I did for four or five days straight was drank beer by myself, listened to rock and roll music and grilled meat mm -hmm. just by myself. And I remember when I was a kid watching my dad do that, and I'd be like, does he not want his buddies around? Does he not want to talk? And he'd just be sitting there just zoned out, not even hearing me. And I was like, man, this just seems like a boring existence. And now I'm sitting there doing, I'm like, Every single one of our dads was so goddamn right. And I'll tell you what I need to do later today. I'm going to go get me a chair. I'm going to get me a chair. That's what I'm going to do. It ain't going to match shit, but I'm going to get me a chair. And when somebody else sits in it, I'm going to say, get out of my chair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's dad's chair. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's do another one. Uh, college students are more likely to cheat in classes they find boring, according to researchers at uh, Ohio State University. Sorry the ohio state university <laughs> well i mean that makes sense like yeah well you're not engaged with the material you have don't you, care. Did you ever cheat in college or any class uh the better question would have been did you ever go to college i went to college <laughs> for i went to college for one semester and i only went to class four times and i didn't even get a credit um no actually i don't think that i ever cheated because i was pretty like when i was in high school if I didn't want to do something, do it. I just didn't do it. Like yes. I just wouldn't, I just wouldn't. I remember one time I got, uh, is it called ISS for you are in school suspension? It, yeah. In school suspension. Yeah. So I got, uh, I got, I actually, I may have ended up getting OSS cause I had so many ISSs already, but I, what, ha what happened was is that, uh, I was in class, I think it was English class or something. And, and I just hadn't studied and I was hung over. I was a senior, I think I was hung over and I just didn't, we had a test and I just didn't want to take it. I, I knew I was going to fail. Like I knew for a fact I was going to fail. Mm -hmm. And so I just didn't want to take it. And so the teacher put it on my desk and I just, and I was just sat there and she's like, you got to do, do your test. And I was like, it's fine. I'm just, don't worry. I'm just going to go to sleep. She's like, you can't do that. I was like, no, it's okay. Don't worry about it. It's fine. And it's better like, if I even don't try. <laughs> right. She's like, she's like, uh, yeah, this is why I can't get negative points. She's like, uh, no, you got to do it. So I just put an X on it and I handed it to her. I said, there you go. That's what it is. And she you signed like you signed it like a biker would sign I'm, his name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I made my mark like I was buying a horse in the Old West. <laughs> and and, uh, and so she takes me to the principal's office and she tells him what happened. And he gives me ISS. And I was like, can I ask why? And he's like, and that, the thing they wrote on my on the ISS thing was apathy. Like, mm -hmm. I didn't know that you could get in. So I was like, I wasn't being loud. I just didn't want to like fail. Give me the zero. The zero is the punishment. Mm -hmm. Like that's the, I, I, in hindsight, I should have just went through there and just marked C on everything, but I was trying to make a statement. My point is no, like if I, I should have cheated then that'd have been mm -hmm. a great time for me to cheat. Uh, but I didn't cheat. And I swear to God, man, like 
this is how, uh, look, if you want to know anything about white privilege, this is how good it is to be a, just a white kid in the South. They just let me graduate. Like, I swear to God, that's what happened. Like, I should not have, like, I did good in, in like, um, actually, you know what? There's no way this was English because I was actually engaged in English and I was in the journalism class. So it couldn't have been, it was probably math or some shit. Like, I don't, yeah. math, math don't hit for me. But nope. like, social studies, I always loved. Mm -hmm. uh, granted, like, they would, you know, because I would be trying to write jokes about Christopher Columbus or whatever when, when they would be telling us this stuff. But I like stuff like that, but math didn't hit for me. But like, I didn't know if I, I would never cheat, I would just not do it. But again, like, I swear to you, like, there's no way that I should graduate high school. But then like on the day of, they're just like, yeah, here's your diploma. And I didn't ask any questions, but I know that like they were all looking at our grades and they just had like some sort of teachers meeting and they were like, do we, do any of us really want that again? Yeah. Like how, how is it going to benefit? He's not going to change. So he'll just keep being here. Mm -hmm. And then whatever, like just let him go. And just so they let grandfathered him go. into a diploma. There's yeah. So, yeah. So I didn't, the, the, the most cheating I did was just being born a white kid in Georgia. <laughs> and that's enough. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, we always end up talking about wrestling as well. What, what, uh, is there anything in wrestling currently, maybe like new stuff, but also old stuff that you're really like, this is what I'm into right now. Well, it's been, I'll be honest with you, and this is not, I'll say this right off top, it's not any wrestling promotion's fault, but the pandemic has really hurt my, um, the stuff, the current stuff that I'm watching, mm -hmm. mainly, be, mainly because, like, now, since the, they've, I think they've all kind of figured out, okay, this is how we should do it during the pandemic, and I definitely think that some of them have figured it out better than the others. But at first, it was just so hard to watch because you're so used to seeing an audience that I couldn't do it. And then, as with anything, you get out of the habit of turning on Wednesday night or turn on Monday. You stop doing it. And then one day you decide, okay, I'm going to tune in. And the storyline has progressed so far past what you knew that you uh, sort of interpret something being confusing as it's sucking like and i'm saying yeah. i'm like does does this suck or am i just really confused because i thought that this person liked this person and i didn't see the heel turn so uh -huh. I, i'm kind of lost so right now because of that i've really really just been like bombarding myself with the old product and uh free plug here for wwe network but there's just so much stuff on that network that for you $10 really dollars a month for, for 10. It's the one of this. If you're a wrestling fan of any, uh, of any stature or whatever, any, any, it doesn't matter. Like you're kind of a wrestling fan or a huge wrestling fan. You got to have it. Uh, but there's so much old stuff that, that, that you can't go through all of it. So I've been watching a lot of the old stuff and listening to, uh, Conrad and Tony and all them, you know, do the watch alongs and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, just, yeah, man, just really going back. And what I found, uh, I don't know, were you, were you a wrestling fan during the Ruthless Aggression era? Not really. I was more so like uh, Monday Night Wars and that I was a, I was yep. a kid. So to me, it was me never Monday Night Wars. It was just, oh, wrestling is on. But wrestling and it hits yeah. real hard. Both yeah. of them. Yeah. Yeah. No, me too. Me too. And so I was kind of in that group that like, whenever that was over and then stone cold left, it was kind of, I, I went with them. Mm -hmm. uh, like once the attitude era was over and like, not coincidentally, that's when WWE started shifting to more family friendly stuff. Mm -hmm. And not only was I getting older and therefore I wasn't the target for that, but also 
I would ju- had just come on the heels of the least family-friendly wrestling you'll ever see in your life. So, yeah. like, you definitely can't get me to go the other way. I get why they do it in hindsight. But so what I've been doing, um, when that Ruthless Aggression documentary came out, that, those are the lost years for me. Like, the scene of the ball, like, those were lost to me because I just, I got out. And then, I'll be honest, it got, I was like, man, you know, it's okay. Wrestling, it's, it's for kids. Like, and I'm not a kid anymore. So, I'm not going to do that. Um, Rest, and, and it was also finding out that it was a work. Like when, and I, the reason I found out it was a work, I may have, me and you may have talked about this, but whenever, uh, so I was a huge Goldberg fan because he, yeah. he went to, as he, was he went, I. Yeah. Yeah. He, he went to the University of Georgia. And also in my house, I was allowed to like him because my family didn't know that I watched WWE. It was WWF at the time, but they didn't know. Like WWF was what I had to, I had to go to my buddy's house to watch that and, and say that we were watching Monday Night Nitro because Monday Night Nitro was the clean Christian version mm-hmm. of wrestling because, you know, they weren't giving birth to hands and, <laughs> and, and sexually assaulting. I, yeah, I go exactly. back and watch it now. And I'm like, I can't believe the phrase that they said was suck it all the time. All the, like literally all the time. And, and that was the response and, to anything a person anything. of authority said was, you know, they were like, you're fired. <laughs> and they'd be like, yeah, suck it. Like, suck it. <laughs> so like i we would i would lie and go down there but like at my house i could watch w wcw and so therefore goldberg became well i'm a steve austin fan over here i like this other bald lunatic Mm -hmm. so um so i was a huge fan of his and like i was totally but like when you know they were like he's 127 and oh even though i know even though as a kid i knew for a fact i'd seen every match he'd ever wrestled in and i know it wasn't 127 i still believed it i was like oh he must do a bunch of stuff that i don't see and so I buy it, and then there's there's uh, he's he's gonna fight, uh, he's gonna wrestle Kevin Nash, you know, and I'm like, ah, it's Kevin Nash, pussy, blah. Well, Scott Hall t- and tases him, and I, I'm a kid. This is real. This is real to me. Mm-hmm. And I start screaming, cussing. That I, I was saying every cuss word that I'd ever heard on The Simpsons. That's the only ones I knew. I'm hell cussing. Damn I'm, ass. Yeah, that's it. Just hell, damn ass. This ass and damn hell. And so <laughs> I'm I'm running around the house screaming. I'm trying to get my dad to get me. I didn't, I definitely didn't call it the athletic commission, but that's what I was attempting to get him to call. Like whoever I was like, dad, whoever can make this good, call them. (laughs) And I'm like, or give them my, give give me their number. And dad's like, son, son, son. I'm like, dad, they did. The referee didn't see Scott Hall tase him. This is like, this is void. Like they've got to give him the belt back. And my dad had to sit me down and have the talk. And you know, and it was that son, I'm sorry, but uh, this is not real. And I've always attributed, the talk, the wrestling talk is the same as the Santa Claus talk where when you're a kid and you get told that Santa Claus isn't real, you hate Santa Claus for a while after that because mm-hmm. it seems childish and you think everyone that believes in Santa Claus is a fucking idiot mm-hmm. because ha- even though you just believed in Santa Claus two days before that, everybody yeah. now is an idiot for believing in Santa Claus. It's like when you learn a new word and you're like, I can't believe you it? didn't know what pedantic I meant. <laughs> I do that. Oh, I'm so pedantic <laughs> about that stuff. Uh, and then – but then like I think what happens and it just happened to me in wrestling is that you get older and then you start looking at Santa and wrestling a little bit different and you start appreciating the fact that they're not real Mm -hmm. and you actually kind of respect it more and you think my god look at what the idea of this does for all these people around the world and it's actually more impressive that someone came up with this shit instead of it just being an actual omniscient presence mm-hmm. so i so i but but because of that because that didn't hit me until 
honestly, until I met Conrad in like 2015 and he was doing the Ric Flair podcast and like, I Who's realized Conrad like, Thompson, so somebody that's not familiar. Tell me who oh, yeah. Conrad Thompson Con- is. Conrad Thompson is uh, one of my, number one, one of my good buddies. Uh, number two, he is Ric Flair's son-in-law, but that yeah. wasn't a thing. When me and, when me and Conrad first met, that wasn't the case. Conrad was just a guy who was a, a mortgage salesman in, in Huntsville, Alabama, and he loved wrestling, and he just started a podcast with Ric Flair because him and Rick had met. And then my career started taking off, and Conrad's uh, podcasting career kind of started taking off at around the same time. And that's how mm-hmm. we – that's realistically how we got to be such good buddies because we were both experiencing this weird thing at the same time. Like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, I didn't think it would ever take off like this. Uh, granted Conrad very successful without the podcast, but then he started, he had a podcast. He's got one with Bruce Pritchard, Tony Schiavone, Arn Anderson, Jim Ross, uh, Eric and, Bischoff and Eric Bischoff forgot. I mean, he, he's, the, he's, they call him the pod father. He's one of the most influential people in wrestling right now. And, and I definitely think he has a mortgage business on top of doing five podcasts a week. Yeah. On top of all that, it's truly insane what the guy does. Uh, but because of him and all his podcasts, uh, making me go back and start listening to the old stuff and making me appreciate it in a different way. And basically when I see Conrad, who is not a dumb man, who is not a petulant child, I go, wait, wait, and you still like wrestling? And then he made me realize that I still could. And that, well, that was a long road to get to this. I missed the ruthless aggression era uh, mm-hmm. because I was going through my wrestling sucks phase. And now I'm going back and watching all the Raws, all the SmackDowns, all the pay-per-views, all the podcasts of that. And I'm like so furious at myself because mm-hmm. it is good shit, man. Like in my opinion, like nothing's ever really going to beat the Attitude Era just because that's what I grew up in and I'm nostalgic for it. But like Ruthless Aggression's better wrestling. It just is. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're actually more talented wrestling. I know they – and now that I'm a little bit older – the family friendly stuff seems fine to me. Like, I don't care. Like I'm kind of okay yeah. with like, not that, and not, dude, I'm a dirty dude. Like I love dirty comedy and all that stuff. But like kind of now when I'm sitting around, I would rather watch Eddie Guerrero in a kind of more grounded beef with somebody than I would, uh, you know, uh, triple H trying to, uh, like literally, uh, sexually assault, a a, a corpse. corpse. <laughs> yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, like that's which that happened, to, which happened. Yeah. That's a real, that's a real thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and like, that's, that's all, that was all funny then. And it's still funny to me now, but mm-hmm. it's like, I don't, I don't need that shit. Like I'm, I'm an adult now. I don't need yeah. that. Like it's, it's weird how the family friendly stuff actually to me as an adult makes more sense than, cause that other stuff, it, it was for, it was for fucking kids. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, to me and, uh, it, I agree with, it's been hard to watch wrestling without an audience and I, I feel for those performers Me too, that are bad. trying to God, cause I've, I've done plenty of shows without an audience and thankfully wrestling doesn't really rely on me, them doing something and then waiting for a response. Right. Right. But uh, to me, some of my favorite matches have come out of this era as far as I'm a sucker for any time they take a match out of the ring, uh, out of the arena even yeah and doing something else so that you know they had a, a swamp match a the boneyard, boneyard match, match. Was, that, that was, was yeah that's my that, favorite of the year mm-hmm. and 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 i i think that like that was i'm so glad that that happened because i hope so much that they realize like look how awesome this was this is a way that we can keep people like the undertaker 
wrestling, but not have to embarrass them. Mm-hmm. And and Undertaker, if you're listening, I don't mean that you're emba- you're embarrassing yourself. But what I'm saying is like they they can just be like, okay, let's reshoot that. They you can know? shoot it like a movie as opposed to let's do it live. Yeah, and the way that they shot that as a movie, it was awesome. It was so mm-hmm. cool. And because of that, there's no reason that says that we can't see Ric Flair pop up at next year's WrestleMania and actually have a match. You know, mm-hmm. if they're doing it like that, he can just do a quick run in and it's not going to embarrass him. Like, mm-hmm. you can do some more stuff with Arn Anderson, even though he can't really take a bump right now. Like, it brings a lot of stuff into play mm-hmm. if they're going to do it like that. Because nobody wants to see their heroes or their favorites be less good than you remember them being no dude goldberg and undertaker that match at, in saudi or whatever Ooh. was man it, it, and and i and, and i tuned in i hadn't watched like a new pay-per-view in a very very long time and they and they knew that people like me would be like undertaker goldberg sh- fuck yeah yeah i mean i don't <laughs> care and uh and boy it really stunk but like i felt bad for those dudes like of course it wasn't good mm-hmm. Like, yeah, if you're over 50 for the most part, you probably, I'm just, as a general rule, have somebody that's 30 that can kind of carry the match and make you look good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Who was it? I can't remember who it was talking about. Um, Oh, it was Arn. Arn was talking about in Dusty Rhodes' later years, uh, he would be be wrestling and he was a bit older. And he's like, the way he got around it was – they, uh, uh, there would be a spot called where Dusty was going to elbow. I think it was Dusty was going to elbow Bruce Pritchard, and Bruce was like, where do you want me to come from? And Dusty's like, I'll be standing in the middle. I'm going to put my elbow up, find my elbow. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was their whole thing was like, Dusty doesn't move. He puts his elbow up, and you hit the elbow. Yeah, just make it happen. I don't care how what it takes to get there. Just make it happen. Just, yeah, it'll be up. You find it. You and I have similar backgrounds in that I was more crushed that wrestling was fake versus Santa Claus. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'd walked into my parents' room on, you know, Christmas Eve and you see a bag of presents and you're like, mm-hmm. that's too many to be from my parents. Yeah. Also, it's, it's dumb for anybody to label a gift from somebody else when you know goddamn well that you got it for that kid. But, absolutely. Um, and then I know you, I, can, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. Like if I get my kids something gangster. Santa did not do this. Your fucking dad worked his ass off yeah. and got you that. I can't believe Santa got you socks, but I got you this new bike. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to make my kid hate Santa. That's going to be hilarious. <laughs> He'll turn for a Santa. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's do another one. The world's longest recorded fart lasted for two minutes and 42 seconds. Hush. I don't, I'm yeah. going to try and find the audio and add it to the end of this episode. <laughs> please, please do. <laughs> like one straight, well, I mean, I know that you just read everything that you know about it, but like, yeah. man, I've had some, uh, I've had some bangers and yeah. this is God, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but um, so when I'm on the road and let me preface this by saying she does not like this at mm-hmm. all. She hates it, but uh, I don't send dick pics to my wife and on the road. I record I record my farts and send them to <laughs> because because when I'm at home I fart and it'll annoy her, but when I'm on the road I can't annoy her. So like yeah. I'll just send a video of me farting, <laughs> and and I say that I've had some pretty like she's there have been sometimes she'll text me she'll be like hey what was that like do you, is there a gorilla in your room <laughs> you know? uh, I've had some pretty long ones but my I, man I don't even think I've ever approached the twelve second mark no like t- yeah usually. 
at the, usually at maybe I don't know that I've cracked twelve like you, but at eight seconds I'd be like something's so, wrong. <laughs> yeah, or very right. Like, like to me, I I I would think your ass would have to take a breath. <laughs> right, right. It would have to close up at a certain point. Like, uh, I feel that I, I can imagine Joey Chestnut after, you know, finishing all the hot dogs in the Nathan's, uh, yeah. that, cause that's gotta be quite the experience afterwards. And I'm certain that it's not going to immediately be, uh, a, a, a shit situation. Like there's probably going to have to be some gas released first, mm -hmm. but like, but two minutes. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to need you to, I'm going to need you to find that audio. You've guaranteed that I'm definitely going to go back and listen to our, this podcast <laughs> to see if you found that audio. I'm going to search for it. Cause at, at, at a certain point you have to, you have, if that's the world record, you have to have proof of it. Yeah. You can't just go in and say, Hey, I farted for a couple minutes and somebody's going to be like, <laughs> well, all right. Yeah. You have a, you have a witness. I, I wish this was more than just facts. Cause now I want to know the recipe of how did this happen? You know? Right. This isn't just a McDonald's McDouble. This is, you know. I know a dude who could fart on command, uh, but all it was was he would he would get on his back and put his legs all the way behind his head, and he said it would somehow open up his diaphragm and all this, and he could suck. He could breathe like a fish. He could breathe through his ass. Like he'd, he'd, just <laughs> suck, he'd just suck air in his ass and then push the air out, and which always, like, you know, kind of Pat fundamentally pissed me off because I was like, that's not really a fart. You yeah, know. apparently your ass is Kirby <laughs> yeah. from yeah. Nintendo. Yeah, I like that. Just a few minutes ago, we're like, we're gonna, we're making the best of of quarantine and being home from not being able to perform, and now we're like, that was like a three minute fart. <laughs> Gotta find it, <laughs> uh, young Jamie. Young Jamie, find that fart real quick. <laughs> Type it in. A newborn blue whale gains about 200 pounds every day during its first year of life. Well, speaking of the quarantine, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that was, uh, that was, uh, th there was no freshman 15 for me. That was about uh, freshman a yeah. uh, hundred. So, which is, yeah, I good. went, I went hard. Like I said, I didn't go to college, but I did go from, uh, no, my, I was talking uh, about high school, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went from, uh, I graduated 175 and I think within, yeah, 175, within two years, I was up 238. Easy. Easy. You're I when, In high school, I worked at Arby's and I was a good employee. So I could kind of, they just kind of let me do whatever. Cause I knew. I bet, I I bet you my, were a good employee at Arby's. Yeah, for sure. I was. And, but then you can't give me like, access to a shake machine because nope. that was really i remember like having to get a new uniform at rb <laughs> <laughs> dude we uh i just found out. too fat for my name tag they had to get... <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> go we, ahead sorry we no you're fine we i just found out a thing that i shouldn't have found out which was that uh arby's you, okay, so I live in a rural area. We, for a long time, haven't had any type of food delivery that wasn't a pizza hut. Mm -hmm. And I've recently found out that DoorDash has opened up in our in our little area. And I was pretty excited because I was like, well, there's some decent stuff in Chattanooga, and that's pretty close. Like, maybe we can get something. Uh, I click on the DoorDash app, and literally all it is is it, Captain D's and Arby's. So. Yeah. So I've had Arby's a lot delivered to my house, a lot, like a bad amount. 
And and for those unaware, I don't know how popular Captain D's is, and that to me that's like it's it's Long John Silver's, but it's kind of like you know you go try it once because you think it might be better than Long John Silver's, and then it's not. See, I'm the opposite. I'm a Captain D's man, oh, and yeah? I feel that and I feel that way about Long John Silver's. Now it's a lot of nostalgia. Captain D's was a place my grandmother lived one town over in Fort Oglethorpe and they had a Captain D's and it was like right behind her house and my grandmother we would go there on Sundays from time to time now you gotta understand my grandmother was born in 1920 lived through the depression ended up having all all she no education whatsoever she was a bank teller and that supported both her and her husband and her kids because uh my papa was uh, as they say around here, a sorry ass some bitch who didn't <laughs> want to do shit. Uh, you know, his back was always hurt, and yeah. so. Uh, uh, anyways, th- what I'm saying is, this woman had never been to Paris, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so when we went to the 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 KF or the uh, Captain D's, like literally just because I mean this was fish and not like a burger or like it, it was fancy. And they had real good slaw. And so, like, all my memories are tied to Captain D's going with her. So, Captain D's is, is super over in this house. Now, I hadn't had it in a long time. Dude, I'm fucking going to get Captain D's as soon as we're done with this podcast. That sounds amazing. I want to thank our sponsors, Captain D's, by the way. I always trick <laughs> at least one guest. In there. <laughs> uh, I will say that Long John Silver's for me, my grandpa was a, I don't know, I don't know if staunch is or what, staunch Catholic. So, yeah. that was the Friday you know, during Lent type thing. And then I've been into Long John Silver's outside of Lent. I'm like, how is this place open? Yeah, right, 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 right. The cracklings uh, are pretty good. What's that? The, oh, the cracklings? Yeah, it's so weird how that's even the food where it's just like, I know. It's like batter. I don't know. Was it batter in the deep fry thing? And it's, they're like, it just fell off the fish. It fell off the fish. <laughs> it's food that fell off the actual food. And, and we're eating the, the deep fried plankton of. Yeah. Yes. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, plug that, uh, your digital show one more time and then we can wrap it up. That is August 7th, this Friday, well-read quarantine comedy. It's going to be a full stand-up show. If you're used to coming out and see us on the road, it's going to be exactly that, except for you get to be at your house. You get to make your own drinks. Uh, you don't have to get a babysitter. You can just lock your kids in the other room and tell them to shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I've done a couple of these. They were very successful. And look, this is just how it's going to have to be while we're in this quarantine. And because of so, I'm glad we're able to take advantage of it. I'm glad for everybody that's already bought tickets. And if you haven't, just go to wellreadcomedy.com, W-E-L-L-R-E-D, comedy.com, or rushticks.com and go to quarantine comedy. Can you tell I do my own podcast and I'm used to plugging stuff? Hey. Uh, by all means, I asked. I wanted you to plug it. So. I'm just like, I immediately go into like, this is Casey Kasem, and here's the top 40 this week. <laughs> That's a pretty good impression, by the way. It's not bad, isn't it? I'm, I'm working on a, a sketch about Casey Kasem, and I started doing it, and I was like, hey, this is not that bad. Did you ever hear those freak out uh, audio clips of Casey Kasem? That's uh, on YouTube, like he would read those dedications, and he's like, if I get another goddamn dead dog... <laughs> No, but like, I'm going to go watch him right now. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, that and the that, fart. If I can't find the fart, I'll play the <laughs> <laughs> That's so fucking funny, man. Thanks for being on the show, man. Thank you for having me, man. Literally anytime.
We're up to our long-distance dedication. And this one is about kids and pets and a situation that we can all understand, whether we have kids or pets or neither. It's from a man in Cincinnati, Ohio, and here's what he writes. Dear Casey, this may seem to be a strange dedication request, but I'm quite sincere, and it'll mean a lot if you play it. Recently, there was a death in our family. He was a little dog named Snuggles, but he was most certainly a part of... Let's come start again. From coming out of the record. Play the record, okay? Please. <clears throat> See, when you come out of those up-tempo goddamn numbers, man, it's impossible to make those transitions. And then you got to go into somebody dying. You know, they do this to me all the time. I don't know what the hell they do it for, but goddamn it, if we can't come out of a slow record, I don't understand it. Is Don on the phone? Okay, I want a goddamn concerted effort to come out of a record that isn't a fucking up-tempo record every time I do a goddamn death dedication. Now, make it, and I also want to know what happened to the pictures I was supposed to see this week. This is a god, last goddamn time. I want somebody to use his fucking brain to not come out of a goddamn record that is, uh, that, that's up-tempo, and I got to talk about a fucking dog dying. <laughs>